So for those of you who are in a panic, seeing me as the only one up here, I am not preaching this morning. And I, yes, and I am bad about that. So our pastor actually is on vacation, uh, getting a much deserved rest and break. Uh, and it's our privilege and our joy to have Ro Taylor here. Ro is the Arlington campus minister at Delta State University, the home of the Frank Ro and his wife Anna have three sons. Uh, and uh, Ashley and Ro are very close friends uh, from their time together in Cleveland. Uh, and so normally when you're introducing somebody, you want to get the most important, the most significant facts. And so you're now going to get a piece of insider information that very few people have. So during the pastoral search process, when we were calling and talking to all of Ashley's references, uh, when we talked with Ro, I believe Ro was the first person to clue us, clue us in on Ashley's extreme fondness for tacos. Is that what I first Okay. You, you specify. So now you have it. You're on the inside now. Uh, we, we really are glad to have Ro here. Uh, God the blessing is the oldest of the folks, bro. Well, it's true that actually not and often not as much as we'd like to for two hours and fifteen minutes before we do Google Maps apart. Um, but uh, this may be a secret. I may shouldn't say this, but we're actually going to be talking after this. So, very um, well done. Anyway. Um, yeah, glad to be here. Thanks for being here. Ashley is a good friend of and I, I, mean, I say this with sincerity. Like, um, and I know that you know, many different families and people are in the pews here. There's a lot of different stories and all, and it's just a hard season, right? Um, and uh, Ashley, because of his friendship and encouragement, he's a reason, like a big reason, I'm still in ministry. Uh, so I'm really thankful for him. Go get yourselves to him. So uh, this morning we're um, we're not going to talk about Ashley anymore. Thanks for that. Jesus. One of my own statements is you weren't aware uh, that I was going to be preaching on the chapter. You probably tell me that I'm the way or I am the direction. Um, he says this. I'm the good shepherd. And there's probably some very profound um, fact that goes with that. But what uh, we're going to look at this morning is what all this tells about who the person of Jesus is, um, about who he is. So let's look at John 1, verse 30. I'm going to read what's in the book to make sure I have the same translation as you all. So uh, John 10, verse 1 through 30. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from them, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved 
The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this world. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down in my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. It was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He has a demon, and he is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Which is what happened in John chapter 9. Verse 22. At that time, the feast of dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about it. But you do not believe, because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. The word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that um, you are indeed good. Uh, Jesus, that you're the good shepherd. Spirit, that you've given us this beautiful picture. Lord, I pray that you would be with us now as we consider your word, um, your word made flesh, who is the good shepherd. Lord, I pray that as, as we're here this morning, we come in faith, um, but for some of us, that may be a wavering faith. Um, it may feel weak. Um, it may be doubting, or maybe there's some here that's uh, that don't claim you. So Lord, I pray that wherever we are, that you would meet us in our um, in our anxieties, our worries, our fears, um, our pride. That you would show us the grace and truth of Jesus. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so a couple years ago, I heard this story um, about, about a sheep. Uh, sheep in New Zealand that had wandered from this is, uh, um, a sheep in New Zealand who had wandered from a herd and he managed to find himself in this like cave or they think he was caught in a cave somewhere um, and he avoided capture for six years like six years the sheep was just like wandering around the hillside and so he finally was caught, um, found six years later. He was almost blind because he had so much wool, it was like just hanging off him and hanging 
so just to give you a, a frame of reference, a normal sheet has about 10 pounds of wool. Uh, Shrek, this sheet, had 60 pounds, like, hanging off of him, attached to him. That's enough to make, uh, apparently, 27 men's suits. Uh, just imagine, like, how heavy, for something that can typically only carries up to 10 pounds, for something carrying six times the normal, just imagine how heavy that burden must have been. On top of the fact of, like, the loneliness of an animal that's, like, made to be part of a herd, right? Um, and what that must have been like. And so when they finally found Shrek, uh, they gave him a, a fresh new haircut, <laughs> as they should have. Um, and after that, like this is it's kind of wild what they did. They, they took him to Parliament, where he, this Shrek, the sheep, got to meet the Prime Minister of New Zealand. And like, it doesn't stop there. Like, what they did next was they threw a party for the sheep. Like, in the sheep's honor, they had a party. And it's a lot of times that, like, you know, preacher types like me are actually going stand up here and say, like, well, that's, you know, that's not what the gospel is. Like, that's what the gospel is. Like, Jesus comes and finds us. He takes care of us. Then he throws a party. Um, Jesus didn't just take it. We're looking at the good shepherd this morning. Jesus didn't just pick the idea of being a shepherd out of thin air. The Old Testament is actually full of allusions um, and uh, illustrations of shepherding and sheep relationships, using it as how a metaphor of a king leads his people. Uh, famously, Psalm 23 talks about uh, the Lord is my shepherd. David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not fall. Um, other places, Isaiah 63, Jeremiah, and uh, throughout the prophets, but for our purpose this morning, I want to mention Ezekiel 34. So back in the days of Ezekiel, the prophets, there were, there were no good kings. There were no good shepherds. Ezekiel 34 says that the shepherds, the kings of the time, exploited the sheep. They didn't feed the sheep. They led them into danger and death and slaughtered the sheep instead of taking care of them. Instead of seeking to give them life and to flourish. And it's in this context that many of Jesus' hearers in that time would know that of the history of bad shepherds, but also the promise that Ezekiel 34 goes on to say, where God says, one day I myself will be your shepherd, and I'll be a good shepherd. And so Jesus stands up and makes an audacious claim to them and says, I am the good shepherd. So what can we learn about Jesus from this passage? Um, it's not going to be as long as it sounds, and at the risk of sounding like a busted article, there's eight things that I think that we can look at uh, briefly that they kind of show us a, a picture of who Jesus is from the Good Shepherd. So first, um, Jesus is the gatekeeper. This is similar to how Jesus will later say in John chapter 14, a few chapters after this, that he is the way. The only way to be a part of his flock is to enter by the gatekeeper through the gate. Jesus is the only way to have true life. Uh, Self-help won't get you in. Reading your, your Bible won't get you in. Uh, voting the right way, however you find right, won't get you in. Um, the only way you get in is if the gatekeeper's hands open the door for you to come in. The same hands that were pierced through nails to a normal, uh, onto a Roman cross. Um, 
This is important because, as I mentioned before, like this is kind of been a wild season, right? Wild year and a half. Um, this is important because if something comes into your life, what we know because of this is that it had to pass through those gatekeepers' hands. Um, if joblessness comes in, if divorce, your your parents or whoever's friends may come, if cancer comes, if COVID-related things come, if great success comes, then you can know that you know, maybe God didn't necessarily cause it in the first call sense, but He knows and He's there and He hasn't forgotten. Jesus is the gatekeeper. Second thing, Jesus gives life. Uh, he says in verse 10 that the thief and the robbers come to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus says his purpose is to give life and to give it abundantly. How can you know that something is not of Jesus? Is its purpose to steal, kill, or destroy? Then that's not of God. Um, Jesus' purpose, he says, is to give abundant life, rich and satisfying. Um, and what we need to hear from this is that Jesus is Jesus is for you. Like he actually, he actually is for you. To take a phrase from somebody who twisted it, Jesus really does want for you your best life now. Um, I mean, don't the fruits of the Spirit sound nice? Like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, uh, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Okay, I forgot one there, but um, but don't they sound good? Like, don't they sound good? Like the kind of person that, that I would want to be, that I would have my, my three boys like grow up to be, that my wife would want to be. Um, those actually sound really good and beautiful. And what this is saying is like, hey, Jesus actually wants that for us. He wants what is going to be good and life-giving for us. And let's be honest, sometimes Jesus' definition of a blessed life or a good life is different from ours, right? Sometimes we have some, uh, a little bit different view. Jesus wants what is best for us. He doesn't want us to be consumed with bitterness towards our parents or towards our kids or towards our neighbors or towards whoever it may be. He doesn't want us to feel entitled to our own picture of what's best. Jesus wants what he knows is best and what he knows is most life-giving for you, even if it's something that we don't even realize. Jesus comes to give life. The third thing, Jesus knows his sheep. Jesus knows his sheep. Um, like, really knows his sheep. He knows your name. He knows your face. Uh, he knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows your dreams, your desires. He knows your fears, your sins, your brokenness, your rebellion. He knows you, and he loves you. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day who um, was talking he's, he's going to counseling. I'm a huge fan of counseling, I think, probably. 99 percent of us probably needed. Um, we were talking about so the conversation with the counselor, and he said, "I'm just getting 100 right now." He was talking about his counselor, and he said, "Yeah, I think I'm about to. I think I'm about to fire my counselor." And I was like, "Really? Why is, why is that?" And he said, "Because you know, I've been talking to him for had, like we just had our, our third session, and he still like doesn't remember." So that remember like some of the main things I've told him about why I wanted to start counseling. Um, he's firing him because he doesn't know. Um, 
what Jesus is saying is, I know you. You know, there's a desire in us all to be known, right? You know, we don't want everything we've ever done or think our biggest sins to be posted up on social media, but like we want to be known by someone else, right? God made us, designed us for community. We're made in the image of a triune God. Uh, we're made for community. And what Jesus is saying is, I know my sheep. I know my sheep. I know there are little idiosyncrasies and differences. I know my sheep. And in the Good Shepherd, we can be uh, fully known and fully loved. Fourth thing is, um, Jesus' sheep know him. Jesus knows the sheep, but the sheep also know him. Um, the sheep know the Good Shepherd's voice. He calls to them by name, and they come because they know him. And they know his love, they know his character. The sheep know the Good Shepherd just as Jesus knows the Father. And the Father knows Jesus. Um, the sheep hear and listen to his voice. Uh, back when my oldest son was just kind of getting, um, kind of getting into baseball, um, he's, he's, he's probably our best athlete um, so far. He's not. Um, but he was playing baseball and he was a pitcher. And this was coach pitch. And so if you're the pitcher and coach pitch, that means you stand by the coach. And when, like, when you get the ball to the pitcher, the play is over, and the next person comes up the bat. So it's a pretty important position. And so uh, the batter hit the ball, and it was like a weak little pop-up, and then, you know, at this age, five, six years old, like, you don't really expect anybody to catch anything. And, uh, and my son did not expect to catch the ball, but he caught the ball, and, like, everybody in the stands on our side was, like, going crazy. And, uh, but there was a runner on second base, who didn't know the, the tag out rule. And so he just taken off. And so like everybody was like excited and like, he caught it. And then they saw the runner. And so everybody started yelling at my son, go touch second base. And he just stood there like, I just caught the ball. Everybody's yelling at me now. <laughs> I can't imagine what's going on in his mind. Like, why are we doing that a good thing? And so people were like, he was getting all these things. I could tell that he looked confused. And so I stood up and yelled, Bo, touch second base. And he turned around, and he ran to second, and he touched second base. Now, I wasn't saying anything different. I'm not a baseball wizard, but he listened because he knew my voice. He knew that his dad was sitting there and telling him what to do. And he knew my voice, and he turned around, and he did it. The good shepherd. Um, he knows our voice, and we know his voice. This. When God says something, and it's good, because he's good, um, his sheep know his voice. The thing, Jesus unites his sheep together. Um, Jesus doesn't just care about your salvation. He does. He cares what it's for. When the Bible talks about our relationship with God through Christ, it says that we are reconciled to God, what 2 Corinthians 5 goes on to say is that, that you and I are entrusted with God's uh, ministry of reconciliation here on earth. The salvation is not just a like me and Jesus got our thing going on. Was, when I was in college, it was a pretty popular t-shirt. Jesus is my homeboy. Um, anybody remember one of those half-ups in the Bible? No shame. Um, 
but salvation is not just like a me and Jesus personal thing. Like we're going to come to this table as a family meal. Like this is a family meal we get to do together. It's about uh, salvation. is about you and your relationship to God. Yes, but also to all of humanity. Um, to his creation. And 1 John 3 says, if you love God but hate your brother, the love of God is not in you. Um, if we love God but are pursuing loving our enemy through confession, forgiveness, and pursuit of reconciliation, what the Bible says is that the love of God is not in you. Uh, the night before Jesus died, John 17, a couple of chapters after this, um, he prayed for three things. And you think, like, this is the night before Jesus was crucified. Um, so those three things, that would be pretty important, right? He prayed that his people would know God, that his people, his flock, would be sanctified. And he prayed that we would be united. He prayed that we would have unity. Um, this is important because according to Jesus, this is a pretty big part of being a Christian. Um, we can't say we love Jesus and hate those around us. Because Jesus is the good shepherd who longs to unite his sheep together. Um, sixth thing, Jesus sacrifices his life for the sheep. This is, um, if you're familiar with the Bible, this is obviously a very big one that um, we could do a whole other series on this. But um, Jesus mentions several times. In this explanation of who he is as a good shepherd, this idea that he sacrifices his life for the sheep. He's contrasted with those bad shepherds, bad kings of Ezekiel 34, who were working for their own good. They abused the sheep, they kill the sheep, they eat the sheep. But the good shepherd doesn't do that to the sheep. He gets it done to himself. Um, he sacrifices himself for the sheep. Um, Several years ago, there was a movie that came out uh, called Man on Fire, Younger Kids. I wouldn't recommend parents if you haven't seen it. Um, but it was such a great contrast of good shepherd versus bad shepherd. Of the bad shepherds in the movie, um, who, so the movie's about this um, a family that moves to Mexico. They have one daughter and they hire a bodyguard. And I was played by Denzel Washington. They hire a bodyguard. Denzel Washington, the man on fire, um, to, to watch her and kind of protect her and make sure nothing happens to her, this kidnapping thing. And turns out she does. And come to find out later in the movie, spoiler, it's not for 20 years, but spoiler, he, he it, like his dad is the one who organizes for money to pay off debts he owed. Bad shepherd. But what you see in Denzel Washington, the bodyguard, the man on fire, the good shepherd. That the movie is about his efforts to do anything and everything he can to get that little girl back. Even at the end of the movie, sacrificing his own life so that she can live. Um, Jesus wants for you to have life and for you to have abundance. So much so that he's willing to take your place. So much so that he's willing to sacrifice himself for you, for me. 
he was willing and did take the death that you and I desire so that you and I could have a life that he deserved. The seventh thing, Jesus speaks in a way that his sheep will listen. This is kind of a combination of two things I already mentioned, but it's important. Because he knows, he knows you so well. And this kind of gets to the idea of like, oh, well, how's God going to use me? He just wants to use me for his kingdom. Like, no, he wants to love you as a sheep. He cares for you. Um, he knows you so well that he knows how best to get your attention. Even in the unique ways he's made you, the gifts and interests he's given you, he knows how to best get your attention. There's an old uh, comedy bit from, I think it's Saturday Night Live, um, uh, except for the British version of Saturday Night Live, um, where an officer comes in to report a robbery. And they all have different, uh, they talk in different volumes and pitches and voices. And so the guy comes in and, he's, and he just says, hey, I'd like to report to the police station. I'd like to report a robbery. And the, the, the police officer there says, and he says, I'd like to report a, a robbery, burglary. And he says, and he keeps doing that same voice. And what he realizes is that like he has to speak in that police officer's voice and pitch so that he can hear it. Um, and the, it's a funny sketch, a lot funnier than I can do it justice. But uh, another officer comes in with like a lower, I'd like to report a robbery, like voice. And, it's a funny sketch, but like that, that person had to know all the different types of voices. How much more so, God? That as he made you, that as you, you know, some of you can probably look at a sibling, for instance, and say, like, man, I am so wildly different. And like, we just either, like, don't get along or have such different interests, but God knows you. God knows um, God knows what gets you on. God knows what you love. He knows your desires and your giftings. And then some of you are like more artsy people, and like that's a beautiful thing. Some of you are more like engineering people, and probably love the fact when I stood up here, so we've got eight points this morning. But like God knows how you're wired, and knows that, um, and He's speaking to you and showing you His glory, His goodness, and His calling in your life. Uh, the last thing, Jesus will not let go of his sheep. In verse 29, Jesus will not let go of his sheep. No one can uh, snatch the good shepherd, or excuse me, no one can snatch the sheep out of the good shepherd's hand. Or the father's hand. No one will ever be able to pry you away from God. If we did not earn our salvation, we cannot earn it. Um, We see in this image that the Father is so good and so much greater than all that He knows how to give good gifts to His children. That Jesus loves His sheep, His people so much that He would never let them go. So in this picture, there's a there, there's an image of God's power to like keep you, but also His love that He wants to keep you. But there's nothing that you can do to make him love you less. That's a cosmic like inability. Like that cannot happen. There is nothing that you can do to make God love him less. Jesus, in this picture, we see a, a, a power and love um, that is unwilling to let go. 
I heard uh, a friend of mine tell the story um, about going, he's a little bit older than me, but uh, he was going uh, tubing with his family. And it was pretty, I mean, as you go tubing down the river, they're usually pretty calm. River, but this one was calm. And it had one like little tiny rapid, and their five year old son was in the tube with his wife, and he saw them going ahead. And they, they hit it wrong, or something happens, and um, they, the two flipped, they both went under the water. And he said, I watched for like, probably, probably three seconds, which felt like three hours, as my wife and his five-year-old son were under water. And then I, then I see them kind of pop up, and my wife has this like death grip hold of our son. And so they get, and they, they, that's at the end of the, the run, and they grab their tube and, and get out, and he walks up to his son, and he said, man, that was, that was pretty cool, y'all went under, the, y'all went under, um, they flipped your tube and went under for that time, he's, so I'm glad you made it, he said, this, he said, his son said, yeah, we made it because I was holding on to mommy, <laughs> and the reality is he made it because mommy was holding on to him, um, we make it, we can persevere through trials and even count them as joy, not because we're holding on to God, but because He's holding on to us. But He cannot be snatched from the Good Shepherd's hands. Um, Romans 8 says it this way Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ. Jesus, our Lord. Jesus, the good shepherd. The one who doesn't take advantage of the sheep. The one who doesn't use and abuse the sheep. The one who doesn't sacrifice the sheep for his own good, but ultimately sacrifices himself for their good. You know, I mentioned as we started that, that this isn't the first time the shepherd-sheep thing has been mentioned in the Bible, but it's also not the last because... As the book of Revelation gives a lot of different images, one of the most poignant is when the Apostle John, and what you know, one commentator actually said this is the central picture of Revelation, um, he gets to see a glimpse of heaven revealed, Revelation revealed to him. He sees all the large num- number of people who look different from one another um, gathered in heaven, and they have these scrolls with seven seals it contains the word of the word from Old Testament prophets about what the coming kingdom is going to look like. And they look around, and John looks around, and he says, hey, can anybody open the scroll? And he was left in suspense for a minute, and one of the um, elders said, yeah, the Lion Judah can open on the throne. And he, John averts his eyes, and you know, one commentator says, like, this is kind of narrows down, like the, the, the zoom happens on the throne. And when he looks up on what he expects to see when he looks at the throne is a lion, a lion of Judah, seated on the throne. But what he looks and sees, he sees a lamb. He sees a sheep. He sees the good shepherd who is the sheep who is sacrificed. For the sins of the world, he sees a sheep who sacrificed himself for his people. You know what I mean? The upside down economy of God's kingdom, what John expected to see, he expected to see power, the king of the jungle, the lion. But the way in which God is bringing his kingdom to bear is the good shepherd, the sheep, it's the lamb who was slain, his sacrifice 
his death that makes his kingdom a reality here on earth as it does in heaven. That's the good shepherd. The voice that you can know. The voice that knows you. It's inviting you to follow him. King Jesus, we thank you that you are the good shepherd who knows us, who loves us, and who gave himself up for us. Lord, I pray that that reality will sink deep down into our hearts uh, of your great love for us, that we can love you and love our neighbors ourselves. Father, thank you for um, your grace, your love to us in Christ. We pray in his name. Amen.